Anybody interested in the Lord talking to you? Talking with you? I am. You know, sometimes... I'm just going to be transparent as I know how. There's been times when I was younger. Wednesday night was sort of a, uh, well, let's see how I feel. I'll go, but, man, you know, maybe the Lord will show up, and, but I did my duty. I went. I was guilty at times when I was younger. If I reflect, I've had to repent. I was just simply fulfilling a duty. I wasn't coming to engage the Spirit of the Lord and to connect with the body and be a part of what God would want to do. I was just going, well, it's Wednesday. I'm supposed to. I'll go. You know, we can ill afford to live life that way. When we come together, it's a great privilege. The Lord, you understand, the Lord does things when we come together that He doesn't do when we're individual in our own prayer clause in our own time with him there's something that happens when the body comes together and so can i encourage you to come ready to engage by that i mean to engage your spirit i understand what it is to be tired from a full day you can still be tired but engage your spirit all right, and so uh, let me encourage, I believe the Lord would talk with us tonight. Could we together lift our voices and our hands and our hearts and our spirit to him? Together, Lord, we worship you. The scripture says we lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Lord, we worship you. We lift our hands to you. We lift our voice to you because you are God. You are God alone, and we worship you. We identify with your presence in this room right now. God, it's not a small thing that you, the king of all kings, would come among us as common men. We worship you. We trust in you. Ah, we believe in the working of your spirit and word here tonight. Let your will be wrought in the hearts, the mind, the soul, and the spirit of men and women in this room. We need you, Lord, and you know what we need. We trust in you. You know our frame. You know our heart. You know our thoughts. We open them unto you, O oh Lord, and trust the will and the work of your Spirit to reach into our lives according to your purpose and accomplish what you will in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, let's linger right here just a moment. The Spirit of the Lord is drafting us into what He's doing. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah. Not our will, but yours be done. Not our will, but yours be done. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We wait upon you, Holy Ghost. We wait upon you. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You are worthy, oh God. You are worthy. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Before you're seated, without jumping out of your pew or anything, I don't want you to get you all walking around. But reach across the aisle or reach to the pew in front of behind. Shake somebody's hand. Tell them, I'm glad I came tonight. Now, don't say that if you don't mean it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. I just want to read a passage of scripture to you tonight. I want to say that differently. I want to declare a passage of scripture tonight. Uh, I'm going to get out of the way. First John chapter four. Verse number seven. First John chapter four. And verse number seven. You know, we oftentimes quote First John four and four because it's a it's what I call a candy stick verse. It's very powerful, but sometimes it's one we like to pull out. First John four and four says, "Greater is He that is in you." than he that is in the world. And that's absolutely right and true and certain and absolute. When we are filled with the Spirit of God, we've been baptized with the gift of the Holy Ghost, he that dwells in us is greater than any element, any spiritual element in the world. That's why we must be filled with the Holy Ghost. Otherwise, we cannot live an overcoming life in this world. But when we are filled or baptized with the gift of the Holy Ghost, God's Spirit dwells in us. And then we can declare with John from verse 4 here, Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. The scripture calls Satan the God of this world. You understand, when I'm filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, when you're filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, what's in you and I is greater than the God of this world. Greater. If you haven't been baptized with the gift of the Holy Ghost, you should be. And you can, it's a promise. And that's a powerful verse, and it's true. But writing in that context, John continues, and we're going to pick up at verse 7, and I want you to notice the vein of what he speaks about when he's talking or declaring here. Verse 7, he says, Beloved, let us love one another, 
for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. If I am filled with the Spirit of God, but I hold on to hatred or bitterness in my heart, ultimately one or the other will win out in my life. My heart cannot be filled with both. And they can't both abide there. And so, if I know God, God is love. If I don't love, then I don't know God. And so the longer I let hatred, if I let hatred get into my heart, if I don't deal with it at an altar of prayer and repentance then I will lose knowledge of God. My relationship with God will diminish. Because if I don't love, I can't know God. That's His word. All right? Verse 9. In this was manifested the love of God toward us. Because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Not of ourselves, but we live through Him. Verse 10, herein is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Or the sacrifice that took the place, took our sins upon himself. So we do not have to pay the price for our sins. That's love. That's love. That's how love is manifested. Jesus said it this way, greater love hath no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for a friend. Verse 11. Here comes a tall order, beloved. If God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. It's a tall order, isn't it? If. At least it's conditional, right? It's conditional. If. If God loved us, well, so the first question we have to ask is, did God love us? Well, he met his side of the deal. He satisfied his part of the equation. If God so loved us, which he did, then we ought also to love one another. Who's one another? Who's disqualified from one another? Yeah. Verse 12. No man hath seen God at any time. 
if we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and His love is perfected. Where's His love perfected? In us. That word perfected is made complete. It's made operative. Where? In us. What causes the love of God to be perfected in us? God? Not according to the word. According to the word, what causes the love of God to be perfected in you and I is when you and I love one another. There's something that happens when we love one another that causes God's love to be perfected in our lives. Why do you think the enemy wants to sow discord between you and a fellow man so that you don't love one another? Because if he can bring a division in a relationship to where love between two individuals ceases to be there, then the love of God cannot be perfected in you. The love of God is perfected in us, not by God doing it, but by the love of God that's resident in us being manifested through us loving one another. I really thought I was just going to read a few verses and be done. I'm trying to hurry. My wife and I have been married for 26 years. Can you believe that's a long time? For her. 26 years. Brother and sister Jester just celebrated 51 years a couple weeks ago. You know what I've learned? In 26 years of marriage. The enemy will try to destroy love between people. And he'll try to find ways to do it between those that are supposed to have the strongest of relationships. Because if he can do that, he can keep the love of God from being perfected in us. This really matters. I'll show you why. The Lord of God, the Lord God will show us why in his word. So the love of God is perfected in us by loving one another. I don't even know what verse I'm on. There you go. Verse 13, hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he hath given us of his spirit and we have seen and do testify that the father sent the son to be the savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the son of God, God dwelleth in him and he in God. Now watch, he's still talking about the same thing. Verse 16, and we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. Let me ask you a question. John wrote those words, right? Under the inspiration of the Spirit of God. And John said, we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. Do you know and do you believe 
the love that God has toward you? He wants you to. Some of you here, you don't know it. I mean, you know it exists and you've felt it. But in your humanity, you struggle to believe it. Maybe you got the no part down. You're like, no, I know it. I know it. But in our humanity, I don't know if I can believe it. I know. I know the mistakes I've made. I, I know the things I've done. I know the wrong choices. I, I know he loves me, but to believe it's a totally different deal. The Lord wants you to know and believe. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. See that? He that dwells in love. It's a pretty tall order, isn't it? I mean, walk through your day, walk through your week, walk through your month. Do you dwell, abide, live in love? I'm not talking about others toward you and I. I mean you, me. Do I dwell, abide, live in a place of love? You say, well, I think so. Well, in your homework, go read 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and see if that's where you're dwelling and living or not. Love is not selfish. Love is never unkind. Love never boasts. Love isn't proud. Love doesn't envy. Do I dwell there? He that dwells in love dwells in God. And God in him. It's a pretty big deal, isn't it? This love of God thing's not just some warm, fuzzy deal, is it? This is a big deal. Verse 17. Herein is our love made perfect. That means this is why our love. Now, we already read how it's made perfect, right? How's our love made perfect? By loving one another, right? We already read that in verse number 12. Herein is our love made perfect. Or this is the reason or purpose for our love being made perfect. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. What? What does that mean? Boldness in the day of judgment. Love is perfected. The love of God is perfected in my life so I can have boldness in the day of judgment. I have a question. Why would you want boldness when you're being judged? You ever felt like you were being judged and you had no confidence and you sort of cowered and you just sort of shrunk back from the judgment? Maybe you knew what they were saying was right. And so you just sort of wanted to go into a little shell. And Anybody know what I'm talking about? But this scripture says, Herein is our love made perfect that we can have boldness in the day of judgment. You know what that means? In the day of judgment, when we've dwelt in love, which means we've dwelt in God and he's dwelt in us, judgment could come. 
But we understand the love of God is greater than that for which we're being judged. And the love of God is why he died for us. That's how he became a propitiation for our sins. Remember that example, his love? This is how we know the love of God was manifested to us. And so judgment can come, but I don't fear judgment because I know the love of God for me is greater than the one that's trying to accuse me. You know what keeps me from having that confidence in the love of God? When I don't love one another. Because then the love of God isn't perfected or made complete in me. And so I live under condemnation and judgment. That we can have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. Watch this, verse 18. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Why would love cast out fear? Because fear has torment. Is your mind, your spirit, is it constantly bombarded and in torment? There is an answer. It's the love of God. It's the love of God. Okay, I believe that, but how do, I, how do I get the love of God working and operative in my life? Love one another. And the love of God is perfected and made complete in us. Brother Hart, some people are just unlovable. Boy, we could talk about that a while. True. True. There are unlovable people in my humanity. And in your humanity. And if I'm trying to love in my humanity. I will run into plenty of unlovable people. I have a question. Do you just think you're the most lovable person in the world? And that's why God did what he did for you? <laughs> I mean, Brother Jester is very lovable. I'd give him that. You're welcome. He's easy to love. Me? Ask my wife. I'm not so easy to love sometimes. The love of God gives us the ability to love others even when they are unlovable. If you're struggling to love somebody, it's a pretty good chance you're trying to do it through your humanity. And here's how we know that we're doing that. Because our humanity would judge the individual and justify why we couldn't love them. Love doesn't judge, not the love of God. And so if I want the love of God to be perfected in me, which I do, and I believe you do too, I have to start by loving one another, letting the love of God manifest itself through my life. I feel like the Holy Ghost is illuminating some people to some of you where maybe you've wrestled with some relationship and the Lord is saying, you want to see that fixed? Just let me start loving them through your life. I'm not telling you, you got to go make them brownies and come call them sweet, wonderful names. Although, you know, Brother Juan says that would be fine with him. He likes brownies. Right? Yeah, he said, oh, yeah. But we have to get in fellowship with him and let him love through us. And when that happens, the love of God is perfected in our life. And here's what happens. 
fear, where fear has place in our life, it begins to go. It begins to leave. Because the love of God begins to manifest through our life. And the love of God is made complete and perfected in us. And so the enemy that would bring things to cause us to fear, they don't function anymore. Because the accuser is trying to come to judge. But love is working in my life. And so i got boldness in the face of judgment. And so judgment used to bring fear to me, but it doesn't anymore. Because the love of God is perfected in my life. How did that happen? happened because I began to let God work through my life and love others through me. Why do you and I need to be filled with the baptism of the gift of the Holy Ghost? Here's why. The scripture says this. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. If you've been repented of your sins... And you have been baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. The scripture is specific. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Matter of fact, Jesus Christ himself said, It is the Father's good pleasure to give you the Holy Ghost. He wants to give it to you. It's a gift. And when you and I receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost and we allow it to operate in our lives, the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. We can't produce that in our own ability. There's no fear in love, but perfect love. Perfect love. There's that word again. His love is perfected in us. Perfect love casts out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth, here's the indicator, is not made perfect in love. It's a measuring stick. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God, raise your hand if you love God. Yes. Look at all of us that love God. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother, whom he hath seen, how can he or she love God, whom he or she hath not seen? It uses the word brother there. You understand that could be mankind where it uses brother. It's, it could be fellow man. If there's anyone in my life that I have hatred for, how can I say I love God? I've got to let the love of God work in my life to displace that, to dispel that. That's the love of God. That's what it does. It heals my spirit. It heals my heart. When I realize how much God loved me, that I who did not deserve it, and you who did not deserve it, he would lay down his life for you and me. He would die for you and I. Why would he die for me? Not because I deserve it, Because he loved 
He loves you and me. If I would say I love him, but I harbor hatred in my life towards another human being, I'm a liar by saying I love him. Verse 21. And this commandment. Everybody say commandment. It's a pretty strong word, isn't it? It doesn't say and this suggestion. This commandment have we from him. Who's him? God. This commandment have we from God. That he who loveth God. Love his brother also. Why don't you pray with me right now? When the Lord is reaching into some of your lives tonight, he's giving you answers and understanding. Come on, the very thing that you're needing in your life is found in this passage of Scripture. Why don't you release that place in your heart to the Lord where you've harbored something against someone else? Why don't you take that place and release it to the Lord and say, God, let your love fill that void. Let the love of God be shed in my heart afresh and anew. Let the love of God manifest itself. In the name of Jesus, 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 let the love of God be shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name. Why don't you stand with me right now? Would you continue to talk to the Lord where you are and wait on the Lord with me? Come on, that's right. Just talk to him. Talk to him right now. The Holy Ghost is here. The Holy Ghost is here. If you haven't been baptized with the gift of the Holy Ghost, he's present and he will fill your life right here tonight in this room. I worship you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. Ah, we worship you, oh God. We love you because you first loved us. Ah, 
Irolo santo rei katare bokori amayetele di aratahaye. Jesus, 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 itarabakaye. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Jesus. I wonder if we can just continue to pray for a moment. Some things on my my spirit, but I feel like the Lord just wants us to fellowship Him for a few minutes. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. God, we may not know what to pray, Father, but I pray that you would pray through us in this moment. According to your word, Father, pray through us in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus. Lord, we wait on you tonight. We wait on you, Jesus. God, our life is but a vapor, Jesus. And then after is the judgment in the eternity, God, that we will live with you. God, I pray that we not get in a hurry in this, these moments, Lord. These moments that could determine eternity. Jesus, I pray that we would yield to your spirit tonight, oh God. Allow you to flow through us. Come on, continue to yield to the Holy Ghost right now. He's working in this place. You don't have to understand what's happening, but I assure you that God is working right now. Jesus, Jesus. We trust in you, God. We declare the name of Jesus. Yes, it is. 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 Y
Gata Yata Labahata Jesus, Lord, you're a good father. You know what we have need of before we can even ask or think. You know what we have need of, Father. You know the refreshing in our spirit that we need. You know, Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, we acknowledge that we are but earthen vessels. Jesus, that we are but earthen vessels. Father, but your spirit within us is the treasure. Your spirit within us, Jesus, is the treasure by which we can withstand the pressures of the world. Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. You can be seated tonight. I think I'm just going to share one scripture. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, really common, uh, well-known scripture. Most of us have probably heard before. Isaiah 9 and 6, and it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Verse 7 says, 
of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. And upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. I don't know, this is something I don't know if I've seen before really completely understood, but beginning of verse 7 that says, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of earthly kingdoms, and there's a lot of earthly governments, and it's really easy to focus on those things and because it's what the media is always talking about. It's what the media is always focusing on. And, and if we pay too much attention to those things and to the, the kingdoms of this world and to the governments of this world, then it won't be long that we'll notice that our peace is, is slowly drifting away. And the peace that we found in God when we first came to the Lord and when we experience the love of God for the first time and that love, that, that perfect love that casts out all fear and, and in that place of all fear being cast out, such a peace being brought. And in that place that we experience when we first come to know the Lord and throughout our, throughout our relationship with Him, that peace can so quickly be, be stripped away. And you know this... This passage is often used as, because it is, it's a, it's a prophecy of, of the birth of Jesus. And uh, so I think a lot of times it can be looked at as a one and, one and done type of deal. You know, we know that Jesus was born, he, he died, he rose again, and then he ascended into heaven, and now he sent his spirit to us as the comforter, and and so... I think maybe we can think that this verse is just closed and it's it's sealed, but but verse seven lets me know that this verse is something that's eternal. It's something that that there is no end. There truly is no end. And you know, we we realize that because we have the Spirit of God, the quickening Spirit in us, that once this life ends and once the once the chapter of our life is finished and written and the book is closed, that that our spirits will spend eternity somewhere and that this scripture will still stand. The peace that we can have, the peace that will continue to increase, will continue to be with us as we enter into eternity. And of course, that peace is with the Lord in heaven in the place that he is preparing for, for those that love him. And so I, I really don't know, um, I don't know, I, I don't think I know what any, any person here may be going through specifically. But there's something about the peace of God that no matter the circumstance, no matter what's happening around you, there's, there's a reason that it's the peace that surpasses all understanding and 
I, I mentioned it briefly with opening service last week as the Lord started to deal with me about this then. And I think this is a place that, like I said, if we, if we focus on those, the kingdoms of this world and the things that happening all around us, this is something that's so easily stolen. And I think the Lord is reaching out to us today saying, if, if you'll receive my peace, it's, it's there for you. It's, it's continually increasing. My peace, is, it's, it hasn't stopped. It's, it's, I still want you to be able to fellowship me and have peace in me. And I'd, I, don't know, I don't think I'm the only one, but I think, I think we can feel that peace of God, even in this room tonight, in this, in this sanctuary. And I, I don't think it takes much to realize that it's more than just the lights being dim and it being a little bit warm and cozy, but there's something supernatural that's, that's filled this room that's, that's brought a peace in this place. And so whether, you know, whether it, no matter the government that we have, his government and his peace, the increase of it, there is no end. And today, me, I was sharing this thought with my, uh, with my dad earlier about, actually about government and I don't really, I don't follow politics very much at all, but something kind of piqued my interest the other day as uh, a coworker mentioned um, mentioned this this guy. He's not a politician, but just spokesperson type guy, uh, conservative guy, and and I knew that this coworker had had done things um, in support of of Bernie Sanders at one point, and uh, so it, you know. Started paying attention for a second, and and he he said that he realized that uh, the government that was being promoted under Bernie Sanders, you know, as he was running for president, this this man that I work with, he said he realized at one point that that government that Bernie Sanders was promoting was was not really the government that it seemed to be the the socialism government the you know, make everyone happy, bring peace, because really that's what, that's what we're all seeking in this life. That's, that's what the reason, that's, I believe that if anyone votes for someone, their end goal is let's have peace, right? We, we always have peace talks, we have peace treaties, we have all these things to hopefully bring peace to the world, to our lives, and of course none of it works in, in humanity without God. And this young man, he realized that Something about this uh, campaign was was not right. It was it was a little bit veiled and uh, deceptive from from what they were portraying, and and so it turned him completely opposite in his uh, political views. But what it re what it made me reflect on and, and realize is it brought me back to this verse. But it also it it made me think of of the passage in Psalms twenty three. Another, another really familiar passage, speaking of the Lord being our shepherd. And he's our shepherd, and because he's our shepherd, we shall not want. There's, there's, nothing, there's nothing that we, we will want or even need because he's our shepherd, and he's going to lead us into these pastures. He's going to make us lie down and lead us beside still water. He's, he's going to protect us. He's going to give us that peace that we need because he's our shepherd. 
because he's our covering, because, because we're submitted to him and because he's leading us in these paths. And, but then, then that passage in Psalms 23, it, it takes a turn from the, the lush green pastures and the, the nice still waters, and, and it goes into the valley of the shadow of death. It makes a big, big turn really, really quick. And I, I, when, I, when I read that scripture and, and just picture it in my mind, I, I sort of hear birds chirping sometimes and just see the sun, you know, coming through the trees and as the water goes through and maybe see a deer run beside the creek and just a really peaceful and, and comfortable area and setting. And then, and then the psalmist makes this turn into the valley of the shadow of death and the deer runs away really quick and the sun is gone it's real dark all of a sudden in the valley of shadow or shadow of death however however that goes and if if we're not careful we can see that change of our circumstance we can see the change of our path that God's leading us on if we if we forget that he's the one leading us he's the one directing us we can be like oh my goodness my fear fear sets in and we forget that we're in the perfect love of God. We forget that the peace of God is still upon us, that, that increasing peace. And, and what's amazing, this, and this is a, something I was sharing uh, with my dad earlier as well, is that that psalm continues and it says that, says, the Lord prepared a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Just think about that. I don't think, I don't think that we... We don't necessarily relate with that passage so much. Um, I don't think any of us are warriors in the in the way that David was, but I think we all know that. At least I think we all know that we're fighting a battle, right? We we're not warring against flesh and blood, but we're fighting a spiritual battle to be able to reach that eternal goal of of salvation of of everlasting life with the Lord. And so it's a battle against our soul. It's a battle against our spirit that. The, the enemy of our soul the, that is a roaring lion, he wants to come and he, he wants to take our life from us and take our peace from us, take the love of God from us. But the Lord says, if you, if you can have that peace as I continue and I lead you into this valley of the shadow of death, I'm going to lead you through that valley. That's when he then sets up the table in the presence of mine enemies. And I heard, a, uh, I heard an interesting I guess you could say an interesting twist or or view um, of that and of that passage. And it was in those days uh, when when two sides were preparing for battle. Often they would they would get together for a meal, and uh, it was it was somewhat of a custom for for opposing sides to have a meal together and discuss the conditions of this war, this battle that they're about to have. Kind of seems crazy, right? We're gonna we're about to battle each other and kill each other, but let's set some guidelines first. And so that's what would happen. That and the Lord is the one in this passage that sets this table in the presence of our enemies. And and what I realize is this this um, I I heard it from a um, and I'm careful because I it's not my own words, but um, I share part of this that I I heard this from a. Uh, a man of God, as he was as he was speaking, and he talked about a uh, this dream that someone in his church told him about um, about some people sitting at a table. That really, this picture of Psalms twenty three she saw in a dream, and she saw it with 
these men of God that she recognized, she knew, and these other dark figures, and one of them she, she just knew somehow to be the Antichrist. And, um, and she saw that the, the posture of all of the enemies were, were really bold and somewhat arrogant and just, you know, ready for battle. And, and then the faces and the posture of these men of God that she saw were, were somewhat, you know, cowering, if you would, and just sort of unsure of what was about to happen as they were sitting at this table in the presence of their enemies. And, uh, but then this, she, she described in her dream that a hand came out and laid out these plans on this table and plans for war, plans for battle. And as these plans came out and these men of God that were sitting there saw those plans and in my mind, I imagine, I imagine it being a word of God maybe that was said on that table. Maybe some Bibles were said in front of these men of God. I don't, I don't know. It was, wasn't my dream. But um, as that happened, these men of God began to, their posture began to change. The boldness began to fill them. And, and I can only imagine a peace came back over them. And they said, wait a second, we have a plan. We, 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 we can win this battle because we, we have a plan of, of how things are going to go now. We, and, and they probably remembered, wait, the Lord's on my side. The Lord's leading me. And, um, and she, she just described that that dream, and I, it, it, I couldn't help but think of, of this passage in Psalm 23. And, and so um, i just leave you with this, the fact that I, I think it's very important that we realize we are indeed in a battle. And some days, you know, may seem brighter. They may seem greener than other days. may seem like we are beside that still water or in that pasture. But there's other days that it's going to be in that valley of the shadow of death. There's going to be days where we feel like things are coming in all around us. And, and the scripture that I referenced in prayer of how we are, we are but an earthen vessel. And that means that scripture literally translates as we are but vessels of clay. We are, we are fragile vessels that are easily breakable. And when we realize that in our flesh dwells no good thing, and in our flesh, there's no, there's no ability to overcome the, the things of this world. We, we, we can't overcome the God of this world on our own. But when we realize that in this vessel, we have treasure in this earthen vessel. And that treasure is the Spirit of God. And by that Spirit of God, we can overcome. We, we will overcome all of the things of this world. We, we have a plan because we have the Spirit of God in us mixed with the Word of God. And it will lead us through those paths and it'll lead us to victory if we continue to stay under the peace of God, if we continue to stay in the love of God. And so I just want to, I just want to encourage us today to not fight the battle on your own. Be aware and realize that it is a battle, that, that the enemy is a roaring lion, but, but we can have peace no matter the circumstance, no matter the part of the path that we're in. Amen. Amen. Will you stand with me? Will you take a deep breath? Let it out. And will you sit back down? I won't be but 10 more minutes. Everybody say his peace. Everybody say my peace.
Everybody say, His love. love. Say, My love. love. Say, His wisdom. wisdom. Say, My wisdom. If I have any. Say, My foolishness. Say, His foolishness. If He has any. Brother Martin, I was in an anger management class a few weeks back, and I heard a man explaining a situation that he kind of happened himself into, and he, he was using a word that was just reverberating in my ears as he was using it, and he was talking about this guy's energy, and then he was comparing that to his energy. And what this guy was doing with his energy was disrupting his own energy. And I heard that word about 10 more times somewhere in this story. And I'm trying to follow where the energy is coming from and where the energy is going and what it has to do with this story. But there's some energy involved. And what, I, what I'm getting at is the conversation that he was having, he was really explaining his spiritual state, his spiritual state, okay? We have a spirit in us, his spirit, my spirit, your spirit, whatever spirit, we have a spirit in us. And what he was doing is he was saying there was something coming off of this individual. It was being confrontational with what was in me, his energy. I didn't like his energy. I think that's the phrase that he said. And I don't think he liked my energy. <laughs> First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21. I've got two scriptures. They'll be quick. The Lord is helping some people here tonight. I feel it. And he's not done yet. Without trying to be too spooky, I believe he's going to help somebody that's dealt with some things as recently as this week. We've already started to address them, and he's started to bring them to light in your spirit tonight. For after that, the wisdom of God, sorry, for after that, in the wisdom of God, the word, the world, By wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Let me read you this in a few other translations. Follow along. Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom. I'm going to say that one more time. God in his wisdom, he's wise, he's all-knowing. Saw to it. That means it was his plan His reason, his idea that the world would not know him in human reasoning. I'm going to say it again. His plan was for you to not know him in your human reasoning. For God in his wisdom decided, I don't want you to know me because you figured me out in your mind.
Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he has used our foolish preaching to save them that believe. To save them that believe. Not to save them that are lost, as we see in other passages. He's chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe the foolishness of preaching. It's good news for us preachers. We get to be as foolish as we want. <laughs> but uh, no, he's saying because you, he's not coming to you on an intellectual level in such a way as to appease your intellect. And say, Brother Martin, I'm going to tell you, I don't know where you were January 1st of 2010, but I'm going to tell you where I was, and here's what I was doing in your life. And, and, and then remember when you turned the, the, the page to this, and you read and you saw me, and no, I wish you would unfold it for me like that, for my own wisdom, for my own intellect. And then he would say, remember when I first introduced you to Elder Joel Hart and the, and the, the things that he said to you and, and the, the, the way that his spirit worked. And, then, you know, that was maybe 15, 20 years ago or five years ago. And then, you know, that compounded with this. And then you were here. He doesn't unfold it like that in such a way that you can say, I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you. Okay, that all makes sense. He doesn't work that way. He chose the foolishness of preaching. For the sake of time, I'm not reading all of this, but I encourage you to study 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and the verses around this passage because it all talks about his wisdom and our wisdom. His foolishness is wiser than our wisdom. That's what the passage says. So he chose this, but it says he chose it to save them that believe. Elder Hart already referred to this tonight. Do you believe? Do you, I'm going to say it again. Do you believe? Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 6. Remember the disciple that said, Lord, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. I'm here to tell you, it's not an it's not a evil thing inside of you that would cause you to doubt or to question or to wonder or even to worry, I would dare say at times, to say, Lord, I, I'm trying to believe. I want to believe. With all that's in me, I want to believe. But help the part of me that's still struggling to believe. Hebrews 11.6 But without faith it is impossible to please Him. 
For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Let me read you this in one more translation. Now, without faith, it is impossible to please God, since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists. The one that draws near to him must believe that he exists. I think we would categorize that under the duh category, if we were being honest. I can't get closer to that, to that chair if I really don't think there's a chair there, Right? But I'm going to try it anyways, and maybe when I get close enough, we'll see. Oh, what do you know? There is a chair right here. It's kind of, kind of strange, right? But the Scripture says, without faith, it's impossible to please God, because if you want to even come to God, you have to believe that He's there for you to come to. I know that we want to please God. I know that we want to. That's why we're here tonight. You wouldn't be here if you didn't care about doing what the Lord wants you to do. And if you didn't care about getting to know him better and drawing closer to him. So what is this that would cause me to say, okay, I'm, my legs are tired. I want to sit in that chair over there. I'm going to get a little bit closer. And all of a sudden, I'm not sure if the chair's there anymore. I see it. I know it's there. I, 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 I was headed that way. That sounds foolish. But no, how, how can it not be foolish? The same way to say, God, I'm drawing closer to you. I want to be closer to you. Are you even there? Is there even a God? Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Why am I trying to approach God? How do I know that, that he's there? What is this about? Why am I even doing this? It... it why do I have to love my brother? Why do I have to seek peace in a situation? Why, can I just fold? Can I just fold? You know what that, if you're not familiar with card playing, you might not get that. But what that means is I'm in the middle of this game and I just want to quit. Fold. Put my cards down. I'm done. Yet in my spirit, I'm walking towards the Lord. I'm, I, dare, I, I would even say I'm walking with the Lord. And I know because there's been times he's done this or he said that or he's provided for me here. And then all of a sudden, no, I just want to fold. I just want to fold. This is too difficult. That one is unlovable. This circumstance is too hard. Can't I just? But what does it say? If you want to come to God, 
you have to start by believing that he is. Would you pray, Lord Jesus? God, I can't understand it all in my own human reasoning. I can't understand it all and reason it out and explain it line by line, God, and point by point. Jesus, but I pray there would be an increased faith in my life, in my spirit, Lord Jesus. God, I've seen glimpses of your glory. I've seen glimpses of your presence. I know that I've felt you at times, Lord Jesus, and that you've worked in my life at times, Lord God. Jesus, I speak against the voice of the adversary right now that would seek to cause doubt, that would seek to cause worry and confusion, anxiety and fear. I speak against it in the name of Jesus, and I loose a clear and sober mind. I loose a clear and sober mind tonight in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, would you stand with me? I encourage you. Let's find a place to pray before we go tonight. Jesus, I pray, let your spirit, let your word take root in my life. Jesus, that in the time of worry, that in the time of fear, that in the time of doubt, God, that I would turn to you and that I would first believe that you are, that you are existent in my life. God, that your word is true, that your word is forever settled, Lord Jesus. God, I believe in you. God, I believe in you with my spirit. I believe in you with my heart. God, the things that I can't understand and explain, Jesus, that doesn't keep me from believing. That doesn't keep me from believing, Lord Jesus. I want to walk with you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, let's just take a minute. The Lord is here. This is the time to be open and honest with yourself and with the Lord. Jesus, I pray there would be no condemnation. Jesus, there would be no condemnation, that there would be no judgment, Lord Jesus. God, but that we would be honest before you. And know, God, that in the time of need, God, in the time of weakness, that you are still there, Lord. That your spirit is ever present. Jesus, that your spirit is ever present. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. I'm not trying to invoke something that's not here. But I, I told you at the beginning, I feel like there are people that could have and have. I shouldn't say could have. I know that there are people that have dealt with these very things as recent as this week that are here tonight. I felt that since the beginning. 
And the Lord, I, the Lord is here to help you deal with this situation tonight. I'm not trying to put any, any judgment, any condemnation on anybody, okay? It's okay. I would even say it's right and helpful to be honest with yourself. This is not a let's figure out who's in trouble session, okay? That's not what this is about. Jesus, Lord, we need your wisdom. We need your wisdom, God, in the time of need. We need your wisdom, God. I pray that the faith of this body, Lord, would increase tonight. Jesus, your word says without faith it's impossible to please you. Jesus, and I know that there is a gift of faith. Jesus, I pray that it would increase that it would impart an increase tonight over this group of believers. Jesus, that it would increase tonight. Lord, that the gift of faith would become operative. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, if you want faith, we're going to pray for it right now. The scripture says without faith, we can't please him. So we want it because we want to please him. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, God, I pray right now an outpouring of faith, Jesus, over this body of believers. Lord, we receive it right now from your spirit. Jesus, your spirit is here to minister right now. Your spirit is here to minister faith right now and minister healing right now. Jesus, to minister a Holy Ghost boldness in us. God, to walk in your truth, to walk in the life that you're calling us to walk. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hatahaye Aramahakahai. He Arala Satahai. Ye Aramasatahaye. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hataharaye Arala Satahai. Jesus in your name. Jesus in your name. Amen. I'm going to encourage you to look for opportunities and chances and ways to exercise your faith. We believe it. We prayed for it. We know that it's there. Look for a chance to exercise it. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed.